This is Ken Lubin, and welcome to the Ultimate Hire podcast. What is the Ultimate Hire? The Ultimate Hire is the professional that every business, team, or leader needs in their organization. This is the high-performance individual that always rises to the top, brings the team to the next level, and can significantly add to the bottom line. The Ultimate Hire is the person that you can't afford to be without. Finding, attracting, hiring, and retaining these professionals is critical to the success of your business. We have identified these traits and can help you find these top professionals. A little bit about me. I'm a managing director and longest tenured employee with ZRG Partners. I'm the creator of the Ultimate Hire blog, founder of Executive Athletes, a U.S. Olympic Committee career advisor, and endurance athlete as well as following my true passion of being a husband, father, and son. I love to get people out of their comfort zone while helping them achieve their dreams and companies achieve their goals by helping them realize the importance of living a high-performance life. This podcast will feature hiring strategies, interview tips, conversations with key business leaders, as well as other search professionals. This is designed to give individuals and organizations tools and tactics to have a competitive advantage for career growth, business growth, and insights to the most important resource, the people. If anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me at klubin at ZRG Partners, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this episode of the Ultimate Hire Podcast. This is Ken Lubin, the host. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing someone that's sort of in the cutting edge of what's happening in the world of business today. Her name is Bianca Bianca Lager. She's a business manager, consultant, and public speaker whose specialties include organizational development, career growth, and online reputation management. Bianca is also the president of Social Intelligence a consumer reporting agency focused on, on online risk for human resources. By driving the vision for social intelligence to provide productive, ethical, and innovative solutions, she has spent her time working closely with Fortune 500 companies and nonprofits alike to create safe and discrimination-free workplaces. Bianca obtained her MBA from Pepperdine University with a concentration in dispute resolution and is a LinkedIn learning instructor. So Bianca, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. Happy to be here. Social intelligence. There's yeah. some there's not much of that happening in today's world. So <laughs> talk Such to a us fully about that. loaded brand name, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, yes. Well, quite frankly, we're sort of in the business of, I suppose, uh, looking through uh, content that sometimes may not be so intelligent um, and, uh, and, and really just sort of delivering uh, content to employers um, that have potential areas of concern, that have uh, reasons, business-related reasons why employers might want to be uh, aware at the very least and uh, leave it to them to, to take action. Um, sometimes uh, there's a variety of outcomes. It doesn't necessarily always mean termination or, or, you know, um, an offer getting rescinded, but essentially, you know, what we're doing is saying, Hey, you know, there's area of of risk that uh, is potentially out there in in people's online footprint. What's not okay is, uh, your boss, your coworker looking at your Facebook page, looking at your personal information, looking at all the details of your private life. Um, it's not necessary. It's not relevant. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of resources. 
So um, we are that unbiased third party that have uh, you know, very clear definitions of what we're looking for um, and, and provide as much context as possible around uh, you know, everything that we're providing. So again, you know, employers can decide um, if this is something that runs up against their policies, if this is something they have a business-related reason to be concerned that's going to be somehow disruptive to workplace productivity. No, and in today's world, right, you have no idea what's out there about you or what you've posted or how it's been construed. And, and talk to us a little bit about that because yeah. nowadays online reputation management is just as important as anything else. I know a lot of people in yeah. college sports or college kids or high school kids, right, they have no idea what they're doing that's going to cause issues yeah. down the road, but more importantly on the professional side. So talk to us a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, no, it's an absolutely great point. Um, you know, to the point of online reputation management, I my our our uh, experience tells us that should you have uh, at least a smidgen of care towards that area, you're probably doing all right. Um, you know, you 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 might do all right. However, you know, things slip through the cracks. Um, things definitely, again, um, can be misconstrued, but. Quite often in, in our experience, that's really not the case of, of, of what's happening when we're capturing content. It can, sure. You know, there's the off-color meme maybe that someone shares and, and, and thinks is funny, but look, hey, you know, it's, it's not that funny or it's, or it's frankly uh, offensive to some folks. So, um, so there's, there's a lot of thought that we have to put into our product design as a result of that, right? There's a sort of sociological and behavioral understanding um, how people use platforms, speech patterns, the way they speak, parody, innuendos, uh, sarcasm. It's a very dynamic world. Every single person's online footprint is completely unique. It's different every single time. So the task at hand for social intelligence is to find ways to create consistency um, and sort of universal uh, buckets of content that, uh, that we can provide to our employers and say, hey, you know, here are the definitions and provide that transparency to a candidate or an employee to know, you know, look, this is, this is, this is what is potentially you know, call it in violation or potentially problematic or uh, potentially something that you're going to have issues with. So it's definitely twofold. Um, and, you know, to, 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 the, to your point about young folks, uh, we certainly have, and let me pull up the stat here, but there's, you know, a propensity certainly and, and more likelihood when you're younger to, um, have content uh, flagged through through our platform for our solution. Let's see, it's between age of 18 and 30, about a little shy of 80% of reports fall into that age group, right? And so there's a couple different things happening here. One, you're more likely to create content if you're younger. You're, you're simply more likely to use these platforms more often, and so the likelihood of, uh, that happening is just higher in this age group. Um, two, there is certainly a quality versus quantity situation <laughs> happening for for older age groups, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, I, when I, we share this data with our clients, we say, hey, you know, yeah, you know, here's some, a little bit of what demographics look like. However, you know, 
great, take it with a great salt because that doesn't mean, you know, Hey, you're over 30, you're 50 plus great. You're doing, you know, online stuff that, that doesn't affect you or you shouldn't worry about it. Uh, again, there's a quality over quantity situation happened where, uh, there is one tweet, uh, or potentially several tweets that create a pattern of behavior that become problematic for an employer. And what, uh, many employers are running up against right now. And it's, uh, it's now obvious it's, it's changed so much, even in my tenure at social intelligence that employers got to deal with it one way or the other. They, they have to get their active. They have to figure out a way to deal with it. And so the question now, rather than should we has really turned into how and, and what's, what's the best, most ethical, legally defensible, you know, in line way for us to accomplish this. So say an employer finds, you give them a report and they find something about a potential new hire, someone who's currently working for them. How do you approach it? How do you, you know, how do you handle that? Because yeah. it can be a touchy situation. Very touchy. Um, and, you know, first and foremost, you know, my top recommendation always, and is this self-serving? Yes, but also it's it's true. Uh stop Googling folks. Okay. Uh, stop, get off their Facebook page directly. Uh, whether that's in HR, whether HR is sort of hear no, see, no, speak, no about it. Um, and you know, they know sort of hiring managers or coworkers are doing it. Um, it, those actually do run into, there's 26 States in the U S that have laws that specifically, uh, speak towards an employer directly interacting with, uh, private information of, of, uh, people's social media. So these are examples of like, you show up to an interview and your employer's like, give me your password, turn the laptop around, log into Facebook right here and let me see what you got. Um, you know, do organizations do that? Well, it, it, there are 26 states now that have laws that reflect that. So certainly, they must, yeah. There were, um, and uh, and I think the use case probably varies between like what the job is, but right. nonetheless, it, there was a pressure um, for some folks to to provide that information or even just send me your link, kind of a thing. It was getting a little bit hairy, um, but uh, you know, social intelligence came to be in 2010, which is like ancient times in social media land, right? Um, and the concept really was that concept of, hey, like your, your boss shouldn't be poking around on you and, and looking at um, stuff that is at the best, none of their business. And at worst, it violates your protected class information, what church you go to, your sexual orientation, things that they may not know about you, but they can ascertain by, uh, just a quick uh, search. Beyond that, I mean, there's obvious things like, are you looking at the right person? Are you creating a bias? A recruiter told me once at a conference, I tell the story all the time, but she's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I definitely think social media is important. I, I just take a quick glance at their Instagram. If they post too many selfies or pictures of food, then I'm just not going to pass them forward. <laughs> So I think you can see the, you know, right. the, he's like, you know, like, okay, I guess they're, they aren't qualified for that job. Um, so, you know, there's innocuous stuff that people do. Um, so our approach has really been, okay, what's the solution to that? How do we create uh, a system that both gives employers information, but uh, sets uh, fairness and ethics and, and legal standards? 
Um, and so lo and behold, uh, about a year into after launch, the Federal Trade Commission came a knock into social intelligence, which at the time was primarily um, responsible for consumer uh, protections and, and things like that, of course. Um, there's a separate bureau for that now, but uh, they did an audit uh, into social intelligence's practices and, and took a look under the hood, so to speak. Um, and so if you Google now FTC social intelligence, they put out an opinion letter in 2011 that essentially says, okay, you know, we looked at your company, you uh, are a consumer reporting agency, which was an important designation by them. Uh, so far you are performing as one and your procedures follow those requirements of one. So we reserve the right to check back on you later. Um, you know, which to which we said, okay, thank you um, so much. <laughs> and so it was a pretty unique situation for any consumer reporting agency, but important designation because essentially what that said is social intelligence is behaving just like a criminal background screen, a drug screen, any of these kind of background screen reports. That makes it very, very clear how to inform candidates as to how this is happening. Um, there's authorizations, there's disclosures, there's a dispute resolution process. Um, and so for us then, it really became about uh, uh, informing folks of that, obviously. But um, okay, you know, how do we actually create a product that is actionable, concise, something that is something that's going to be useful um, so it, you know, it, it, it took many years to really, to get it down, I would say. And, uh, and, um, you know, now essentially, uh, what we do is basically a marriage between obviously leveraging a lot of technology and then ensuring that, uh, what our technology is, is reporting and, and showing us is correct through a, a human level of reveal. So how so say if I come to you and say I want to do a social background check on a candidate yeah. or want to do it on myself right and yeah. who knows what happens it's sort of like the credit reporting now you can do your own credit report and find out yourself or the bank does it or whatever yeah. how did they access or how do you access mm -hmm. all their social media accounts so they sign off and mm -hmm. you give you passwords or mm -hmm. do you just do a web scan? How does that work? Yeah, great question. So um, a very important um, part of the way social intelligence behaves is uh, being legally compliant with the terms and conditions of each platform. Uh, they're different, obviously, but fundamentally fairly universal uh, activity that you can and cannot do. Um, and so there is a limitation um, in terms of how you can apply technology to each of these platforms. And quite frankly, if somebody is telling you that there's not, they ain't telling you the truth. Because um, I've talked to the Facebook compliance team, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, uh, and listen, like, you know, we uh, are understood to be, and we appreciate being partners of these platforms for, those reasons what that so that what that means in practical use is that we are uh, we are not doing anything that you couldn't do yourself um we are looking at publicly available information only we are not hacking people we're not looking for your ip address and uncovering anonymous uh, profiles that you might have out there that's just not the problem that we solve here 
So the problem that we solve here is, is the real obvious ones where uh, there is uh, publicly available information um, that is being shared that is potentially problematic at work. So um, essentially, you know, we're accessing information the way anybody else can look on Facebook and find, uh, or, or any other platform, I shouldn't just call that out, but look, it's the behemoth, it happens quite a bit. Um, there are a variety of, of, of public and private settings though, right? And so that is also something both sides of the coin need to consider, right? So if you're a candidate and you have online reputation, um, you know, care that you're going to apply to your online life, very much consider your privacy settings. Twitter is a great example, whether it's on or off. Um, Instagram too, you either see everything or you see nothing. Facebook is an example of there being a hodgepodge of different, uh, you know, experiences on there. Each piece of content that you put on, you can decide whether or not you want to share it with a wider audience or just, you know, whoever it is that you want to share with. So we typically find that each person has about four to six uh, online public profiles that we can identify to them. Identification is an incredibly important part of the process, which means we have to make sure that that is the right John Smith in Los Angeles or New York or wherever he is. It is the one that's applying for the job at, you know, ABC company and, and, and we need to know that is the correct one. Um, so there's a series of, of processes that we use to ensure that that is the case. And, um, you know, in terms of collecting content, the only time that there is content captured or, or reported to an employer is when it falls into four main bucket, buckets of behavior, um, which are sort of customized between each client. But um, generally speaking, we've kind of created these universal behavioral buckets, uh, so to speak. And, um, and so it's much like a criminal report. So if you are somebody who has a very shut down uh, public online life, if you are somebody who uh, doesn't, you know, uh, apply yourself on social media very much, um, the report simply comes back to say, hey, you know, we found Ken here, here, and here. Uh, there was nothing to see here, um, or there was, you know, or you have a very public online life, but there's just nothing that falls into that problematic bucket. So you get a report back essentially that says, same thing as if the, you don't have a criminal history. It's, it's nothing to see here, folks, right? Um, on the other side of the coin, if, if you do fall into that, those buckets, then, um, then the content is uh, registered and, and uh, shared with the employer, uh, put into context to say, okay, well, when did this happen, right? Um, was it a share? Was it a like or follow? Was it something you originally created? Um, and, uh, and then the employers is, is uh, that is the only thing that they are taking a look at and they're taking a look at that to decide again, if that's disruptive to the workplace in any way or violates their policies. And that's so <laughs> there's a million questions. We go on forever and ever. <laughs> we could talk for a long time. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. Cause it's fascinating. And, and I think yeah. a lot of people don't really understand the ramifications. Talk to us a bit about suggestions for, I hate, you know, CYA, right? Cover your ass. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, here's the thing about online life, right? Social media, the concept of it at, at the end of the day is really sort of this behavioral way for people to express emotions, for people to connect with other people, for people to kind of have a sort of online human experience, so to speak, but it becomes very muddled. And so a lot of times 
people don't really know that they're being offensive. They, they don't really know um, or, or they don't care, right? They, they simply don't care. There are some folks that uh, like attention and want to gain as many followers as possible. Now you can do that in a positive way with, um, with uh, great advice and, and uh, sort of trustworthy sources, but you can also do that in a negative way with shock value, with um, you know, things that you want to push the envelope for. And especially I think anybody, uh, especially in American culture can look across uh, social media and see that demonstrated in our own relatives, frankly, <laughs> about, uh, oh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a psychological thing happening there. And I would say that, you know, if you are uh, somebody who is concerned about your online reputation, I think, you know, the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? You, 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 you are need to be aware and awareness is certainly necessary and, and to know that uh, who is the audience that you are talking to first and foremost, maybe you need to have a public profile. Maybe you don't, that's one way to limit it. Um, and uh, you know, understand that the way that some of the stuff is being received on the other end can come in, in a variety of ways. So your social media is a, public announcement. You are, you are speaking loudly. And so remembering that, um, and not necessarily, you know, this isn't about a fear thing to say, everything you post will be there forever. Could be, uh, could be, um, a wise person once told me, and was it you, Ken, that everything, write down, everything that you write down, pretend like it'll be used against you in a lawsuit. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Um, so th- there's that piece of advice. Um, but I would say, hey, you know, just be aware of it. And if you are concerned about that uh, level of, of, of interest in things that you're saying or that, you know, you don't want people to misunderstand you or see it in a negative light, take out your, your privacy settings, um, take some care. Um, and then lastly, and most importantly, and this is so, this is so trite, this is so like obvious, but be nice, you know? It'd be nice. It's been really hard for people to be nice though, Ken. People are very emotional on social media right now. Um, we just released a, a, a 2020 annual report, um, which you know we look at, okay, well, what buckets of behavior have sort of trended up? And especially during the pandemic, we were like, oh, this has got to be interesting, right? What's really interesting is that the one that trended up for us the most is violence. And heartbreaking and but understanding in, in retrospect to see that that emotion and and the, what everybody has been experiencing in 2020 has bled out online and and we all see it every day you see people threatening each other getting mad at each other online um you know saying i'm gonna kill you say i'm gonna beat you up and not just like offhanded but like very aggressive uh language towards other folks Um, And that is absolutely content that employers are concerned about because workplace harassment, bullying, aggressive behavior in the workplace, it's not going to work for most places. What about um, what, what types of things are the workplace looking for, right? What types of things flag that for obviously violence? Yeah. Yeah. So we look at four pieces of information generally, or four buckets of content, I should say. Um, violence is obviously one. Um, intolerance, which is sort of this huge bucket 
It has uh, racism, hate speech, sexism, essentially derogatory information against a protected class because of their protected class status. Um, potentially illegal activity. A lot of the stuff is, look at me, I'm doing drugs. Um, look at me, I just stole this thing. Stuff like that. Um, the last bucket is sexually explicit material, um, which again has all sorts of very defined definition, usually having to do with sexual acts that are, um, that are actually occurring. Um, and then uh, generally speaking, there are some industries that have some customizations. They're looking for bad actors that behave in specific ways or, um, you know, different very specific social media policies. Um, you know, and, and so those are a little rarer, but certainly available. And, and, you know, I, I would say that generally speaking too, most companies do, um, take a look at our general buckets and, um, most of them accept them because they're like, no, yeah, those are, that's it. You know, those are the things we, we worry about. Those reflect a, co a general code of conduct for the most part. Um, uh, but they can get really specific too. marijuana for an example, example is one where, not every customer is going to care about that. Not every customer is going to um, worry about their employees and, and marijuana usage. So um, definitely one thing that uh, is an example of, of a place where a company um, can sort of play with those things a little bit. No, the whole pot thing is going to be crazy. That's a whole other discussion because it's legal in some places, not legal in others. Yeah. And how do you handle that? That's, uh, yeah, there's going to be, I'm sure there's sort of a whole background industry on that and figuring that out. Absolutely. And I mean, honestly, more so probably in the criminal world than our world. Um, for social media, there, there's, there's sort of a, you know, look, everything that we send an employer's way, they don't have to terminate somebody, right? So sometimes it is simply just a, hey, I want to kind of take a look and, and, and document it or make sure um, there isn't a violation here. So go ahead and show me everything. Um, or it's just a value kind of policy-based thing that a company has to say, you know, we don't drug test. We don't, you know, um, care on any level if, if uh, somebody uh, has marijuana usage. That being said, it's still a federally controlled substance. So, um, you know, the, yes, the debate is heavy there. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it, yeah, that's, that's a whole other topic of discussion. You can go on forever. <laughs> but with, um, no, the whole social piece, when people hire you, did they do it when they're looking to hire people to come on board or they do it to current employees? How do, what, what's that typical? Both typically more so uh, pre-hire. So okay. gen generally speaking, it is uh, a practice that people employ when they're doing other background checks. So, you know, you're onboarding a new company and you sign all the paperwork and have them run your criminal report. It's the same workflow, essentially. Um, someone, majority of us have been familiar with, um, so uh, there are companies, um, and it's a growing amount, that are concerned with um, monitoring. Um, and, you know, this isn't quite as, you know, surveillance, surveillance life, like as it sounds. Uh, for the most part, it is a, it is a timely check-in to just make sure that none of those things have been uh, occurring, you know, since the last date. Um, 
and generally speaking, I would say that companies that are interested in that type of uh, monitoring is, is uh, highly regulated ones that have an additional duty of care, like uh, financial health care, um, education, obviously. Um, sometimes there's a duty of care for certain individuals and sometimes they're regulated to do so that those things become really important. You know, any other uh, type of company generally will just do it pre, pre-employment. I actually had a, uh, it was even during the, the interview phase of a candidate for a fairly high role um, or high level role within the organization. And they didn't want to even interview him because the person's spouse had a very vocal uh, voice in the world of social media politically. Mm. And that was like, nope, we're not moving forward there because we don't need that that reputation. It was a pretty interesting thing, but it's like, hey, yeah. you know, it's that you're connected to people that could have that issue as well. So that's yeah. almost another thing you need to think about. Yeah, it's interesting. I read an article about that recently too. There was someone, I mean, look, I have Googlers for this stuff. And so, right. but, but we all like uh, see it every day. I mean, there's headlines every other day of, guess who tweeted what? Right. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think in executive search, there is sometimes an additional reason to be concerned about uh, potential uh, references or, or people being connected to, certainly out of the size of the scope of what social intelligence does. Um, but for example, we used to do uh, government contract work for security clearances, and that was absolutely a requirement to to not just know about the person, but to also know about their affiliates. So there's definitely some use cases where um, that matters. Um, and it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure. So say if someone's in an organization is looking to, to go about this, right? And yeah. you guys, and obviously I'll have you sort of pitch your company and what you're doing. Okay. But what say I'm an organization, I'm a small company, I'm looking to hire someone, where do I even begin, right, with this whole thing to really define whether or not that person's going to be a risk or not be a risk? Because that's sort of the whole, you know, even before an organization like yours even existed, you know, what are are those thoughts? How do you, how do you determine what makes sense and what doesn't make sense? For sure. And it it sounds really overwhelming when thinking about it because most people haven't had a formalized policy and that's what this is really about right this is about taking your sort of you know just random facebook search and 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 saying you know hey we need to have a really formalized way what we know for sure and what i hear from clients and something i repeat a lot um that someone said at a trade show to me once is uh, it happened online end up in the workplace or it happened in the workplace and ended up online so companies are being forced with all the time some sort of online situation that they have to deal with internally. So, you know, the number one thing is uh, creating a, a policy that uh, is reflective of your values. Now, uh, social media policy is certainly advised or to use uh, a language that sort of covers that social media uh, concept as well. Um, but this doesn't necessarily have to extend beyond what your code of conduct or basic sort of harassment guidelines already entail, right? So um, people ask all the time, like, oh, social media policy, we have to you know, talk to the lawyers, we have to do all this stuff. And they can, do you have any examples? And we absolutely help our clients, you know, uh, with that stuff. We have a lot of examples and, and templates of, of, of things. 
And I think most of our clients are always really surprised at how simple it is or how simple the templates and stuff that we, that we send them to say, yeah, you know, here you go. It's like, um, don't be violent, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's, there's, um, and, but you know, not to brush it off. I mean, look, I mean, these are important internal conversations that you need to have, um, whether you're a small business or a corporation, right? You're a small business, especially you might not have a formal code of conduct policy, right? So, um, you know, what social intelligence does is try to create these kind of, again, universal um, buckets of behavior to and buckets of content. So that is a very easy thing just to say, hey, what are the four areas we're looking for? We need you not to do these things online. And then that essentially is at least a very good start to lay a foundation of, you know, you know, if I do need to make a decision, if I do need to look at a report and say, yeah, this isn't going to work for us, something to reference back to, to say, this isn't going to work for us per our policy. See that policy here. You know, um, it's a, it's a very, a much clearer way to, uh, to deal with, uh, any kind of ramifications that come. And then just to make that documentation process a little bit easier, um, and, and legally defensible, frankly. No, it's interesting, right? And, and a lot of it, I hate to say it, a lot of it probably just comes down to common sense and thinking yes. about, you know, who you're hiring, number one, number two, as a sort of candidate or someone on the other side is, and, and realize that everything you do post is is out there, right? It's out there likely forever. And yeah. like I said earlier, like you said that I said was post like it can be used against you in a court of law or write every email like it can be used against you in a court of law. And a lot of times when you're angry, type it out. Don't post it till the next morning. <laughs> and then you'll be like, ah, uh, yeah, I, I didn't need to do that. Or Take write a that letter or anything else. And, and it's yeah. hard. It's a hard thing to do, especially in the politically charged world that we have in the COVID world and everyone's mm -hmm. at wit's end with everything. Mm -hmm. And taking that, taking that breath, and by the time, you know, that, that piece of anger is gone, it's, yeah, you didn't need to write that or post that or forward that or whatever it is. Well, and it, what's interesting is, is, is yes, very much right. We're talking about social media. And so that's, that's exactly true for, for this use case. But a client pointed out to me too, and I never really thought about this. And of course, there are lots of sort of things to think through this, but there are also instances where your call it off work hours behavior are problematic for your job. Um, criminal activity is obviously a, a space where that happens a lot. Uh, the question that we get sometimes is like, well, why should it matter what people post? They're not at work. You know, well, frankly, some people are posting while they're at work, but that's right, a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> the most, the most, the highest traffic time, by the way, in the U.S. and Facebook is between two to three p.m. Uh, during the week. It's like Wednesday and Thursday or something like that. So, just you know, there, a little data for you there. But, uh, but, but, okay. So, sure. So, should we care? You know, how, what people do uh, at home and their home computer and things like that? Well you know, should you care um, if, if there is an incident that uh, is a potential criminal activity that happens and your company has to take action? Um, you weren't at work. Um, so, you know, there are some extreme examples there that I, that I, you know, I think is obvious for a lot of folks. Um, some more, more gray area stuff. It's, it's like that might not have anything to do with your job, your, your, your criminal history. And then, of course, there's a whole conversation about 
if criminal history should really have anything to do with your job at all. Um, but nonetheless, it does beg the question and employers are put in a position of, well, does this affect work productivity? Does this affect our uh, reputational risk, our brand uh, reputation? But beyond that, is this going to be a negligent, potentially negligent situation where we are uh, putting our clients, putting our other employees at risk of not being safe? Um, and so at the end of the day, you know, that calculation of, of which risk is, is higher is definitely being weighed um, a little bit heavier towards, you know, hey, this potentially is an area of risk and, and, and negligence. So, um, you know, as much as like the, oh, the offline life, like what, what difference does it make? Um, I'm not at work anymore. Um, well, it matters. A lot of the things that you do matter for your job. And, uh, you know, like you said, taking that beat, taking a breath, <laughs> copying and pasting it to somewhere else, it could go a long way. <laughs> well, and, and also too, a lot of people ask, they like, hey, I don't want to be online or I don't want to be followed or this or that. And all yeah. I do is show them a cell phone. You have a cell phone, you're being followed everywhere. It's <laughs> listening to everything, right? There's, you're not off the grid if you have a cell phone. And they know where you are, what you are, and what's going on at all times. So same with social media. Well, and that's the simple activity of, of participating in social media. That's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're sharing your information to the world and to a, 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 an audience. If you want to be selective in who that audience is, so the platforms have gone to great lengths to uh, ensure that, that you have the ability to uh, manipulate that how you please. Facebook, for example. Uh, you know, their position is that everything that you post is your data. You own it, right? And so you have the power to control what you're saying and who you're saying it to. Um, and, you know, it's complex. It's complicated. There's a lot of debate about how platforms manage um, content and, and, and what happens. Frankly, they, they uh, do the same thing social intelligence does, which is, you know, they're running algorithms and then they're also hiring a bunch of folks to, to, to double check stuff. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of investment that these platforms make into giving folks power, but then also having a responsibility to um, ensure what kind of content is on the platform. It's that's, that's a whole other podcast topic too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, here we're coming up on to 40 minutes and we could go probably for four more hours, but yeah. Bianca, tell us where people can find out more about you, what you're doing, yes. your company, because this is very intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we try to be as uh, transparent about all this stuff as possible, socialintel.com. Um, please do come and visit us. We, we have uh, a lot of lengthy blogs and information that's very transparent about how our product works and, and what it is that happens in the process. We really, really believe in that transparent um, process for both the candidate and the employer. Um, if you're interested as in, from an employer perspective and, and you know, hey, if you didn't know that people even do this kind of thing, well, great. Um, come on over, ask some questions. If you go to the contact us page um, and simply mention uh, you heard us on a podcast, then uh, we are actually offering uh, podcast listeners a, a really a, a great deal, I think. Uh, which is uh, lifetime wholesale pricing. So uh, regardless of, of volume or your situation, or if you just kind of want to uh, give it a dabble, 
we can lock you in and, and uh, guarantee that pricing for you um, as you proceed. So uh, me personally, I'm on LinkedIn, Bianca Calhoun Logger, uh, also on Twitter. Um, you can find me there usually just by, uh, just by my name and it's, it's Logger just like the beer. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so this was unbelievable, Bianca. I really appreciate it. It's into a piece of, you know, the world that everyone knows exists, but no one probably really wants to talk about or knows or really aware of it. So thanks for your insight. And if anyone has any questions, comments, or feedback, you can email me at klubin at zrgpartners.com. But again, uh, I really appreciate it. Appreciate your time and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Bianca. Thanks, Ken.